Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by SJNL General Contractors. SJNL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. the Portable Gorilla Company, a subsidiary of Acme Incorporated, attention, customer satisfaction. Dear Portable Gorilla, I am writing you to inform you that the Portable Gorilla 5000 model that you sent to our company is not working properly. Please see the invoice enclosed. We specifically ordered a Portable Gorilla 5000 with an inhibitor chip. This chip would guarantee that our portable gorilla could not harass, harangue, tease, mock, or backtalk, or otherwise pull psychological shenanigans as it was performing its duties. However, I write to inform you that not only is the portable gorilla 5000 model that you sent our company capable of those things, it is prolific in all of the above mentioned areas. When I called your company and complained about the Portable Gorilla 5000, your representative simply told me to put it in the box and send it back. However, much to our chagrin, we noticed that the same manufacturing defect that failed to install the inhibitor chip also either damaged or failed to install the compliance nodule, and we cannot get it to go back into the crate. Please call our company at your earliest convenience. Signed, your very dissatisfied customer, Lonnie Jones. Now, you probably figured out by now that the Portable Gorilla Incorporated is a make-believe entity. There's no such company as the Portable Gorilla. What you don't probably realize is that the Portable, the portable Gorilla 5000 is actually an, a real product. Well, it's not a real product. It's a real person. My Portable Gorilla 5000 is a guy named Derek Horst. Derek is one of my oldest friends, one of my dearest friends, and yes, he is my largest friend. Derek stands about six foot seven and would feel dressed somewhere around 300 pounds. 
and he has been a constant companion of mine since I moved to Huntsville in March of 1986. Uh, Derek Horst and Chris Luter were present when I drove the U-Haul truck from Searcy, Arkansas to Huntsville, Alabama, and they helped me unload my truck and move into the house that we were going to be staying in temporarily when I started my youth ministry job here. And from that point forward, Derek and I have been involved in most, if not all, aspects of my life. Uh, Derek had been in my church youth group. Derek has been a chaperone with my youth group. Derek would co-sponsor our camp. He and his wife, Lisa, were part of our youth sponsor team when I did the family-based youth ministry at Memorial Parkway. Uh, Derek and I have hunted together. We fished together. We bow fished together. We've camped on Cumberland Island. Uh, we've rock climbed. We've repelled. Uh, we hunted frogs together in a swamp in a little John boat that had a tag on the side that said maximum capacity 250 pounds. And we've been in that little boat and caught fish and killed frogs. Derek was the was with me when I did the very first ropes course on Kill Mountain. And Derek was with me when I did my very last ropes course at Wellstone Behavioral. Derek would drive over with me to work at Berry College, and we would work with Higher Ground USA as a team. You, you get out of the car at one of these events, and, and, and people would look at me and say, hey, where's your Wookiee? And because we were kind of a Han and Chewie lookalike kind of thing, not that I look like Harrison Ford. It's just that I'm as small as Harrison Ford is compared to the Wookiee when I'm standing beside my portable gorilla. Derek has also been involved with a group of guys that, that do skits. Now, we created this skit team when Derek was in high school, and he's been with that group almost uh, every time we've ever brought it out of the mothballs. This particular group of guys is about six uh, middle-aged dudes, and, and we perform at a variety of events. Now, the, this little skit group that we do is called the SWAT team. SWAT stands for Skits with a Truth, and we wear solid black clothes and we perform uh, under two spotlights and we very very minimalist in our approach we we do improv type skits and we don't we don't really use a lot of props uh, we've performed at uh, Faulkner University. We performed at Lipscomb University. We performed at Harding University. We performed at Heritage Christian University and right now we are probably most prolific or most well-known because we perform at Challenge Youth Conference. Challenge Youth Conference is a conference that takes place annually, uh, Martin Luther King weekend in Dallas, and then the last weekend in February, we perform at Pigeon Forge. And we've been on their docket. We've been in their stable of uh, staff, I guess you'd call it, for maybe the last uh, eight or nine years. On this particular occasion, Derek and I were at Challenge Youth Conference in Pigeon Forge. And on this particular occasion, we were using some props in our skits. Uh, one of the props that we were using was a, a rigged chainsaw. We'd taken the blade off, but had created this chainsaw that would fall apart in the middle of the skit. And we we're also using a five-foot-long, two-handed, double-edged broadsword. And so we're walking into this convention center. Now, the convention at Pigeon Forge, uh, the Challenge Youth Conference during during that time of year, we probably had about 12,000 kids in attendance. And so you've got this massive convention center. You've got a seating capacity of about 12,000 folks. And we're walking in through this crowd of people. 
and Derek's carrying a broadsword, and I'm carrying a chainsaw. So you've got a six foot seven giant with a broadsword, and you've got an elf with a chainsaw. Now, I understand if you know what I look like, you go, how can you describe yourself as an elf? Well, I'm really not short enough and not squat enough to be a dwarf. And I'm not tall enough and skinny enough to be a high elf. I'm probably a dark elf or a wood elf. But for those of you who are elf aficionados, that's why I self-describe as an elf. And no, Chris Luzak, I'm not the elf that makes cookies in a tree. That's known as a Keebler elf. Anyway, the giant has the broadsword. The elf has the chainsaw. And we're walking through this convention center with several thousands of people there. And the announcement comes on. We'd like to welcome you to the LeConte Center. We appreciate your using the LeConte Center for your convention needs. Your safety is of utmost importance to the LeConte Center. And should you see something unusual, please contact someone in management or our security team. While I'm walking down the center thoroughfare of the LeConte Center, and I'm walking next to a guy who's six foot seven. He's carrying a two-handed broadsword, and I've got a chainsaw, and I'm waiting for somebody to notice that. And nobody did. Or if they noticed it, they didn't say anything. We did not get surrounded by security force. We didn't have anybody even come ask us what we were doing. And, and, and maybe it's just because we've performed there and people know us, but there's no way everybody in a crowd of 12,000 people knew who we were. But we walked through this crowd of people, a big dude with a sword and a little dude with a chainsaw, and nobody checked up. Nobody noticed. Nobody paid attention. Nobody said a word. And, and, and maybe it's, it's that they really didn't notice. I have been shocked at how unaware people can be. Uh, I've ridden on the big armored truck, the big black Brinks truck that was converted to our SWAT vehicle that we call Marv, the mother of all recreational vehicles. And, and, and you know, hanging on the side of that truck, standing on the, the armored bumper on the back of it with a big SWAT logo on the side and this big loud diesel truck goes running down the parkway and you've got men hanging off the back of it that are wearing body armor and automatic weapons and people don't seem to notice. I have been shocked at the number of times we've gone up and down the parkway and people were so self-absorbed or looking at their phones or whatever they were doing that they didn't notice an armored vehicle with armed men riding past them. And so maybe it's not unusual that people get wrapped up in their own stuff and they don't notice. But how do you miss something like that? How do you miss a giant with a broadsword and an elf with a chainsaw or maybe you didn't miss it. Maybe people saw it and they began to create reasons why I should probably just stay out of this. I mean, what is the proper protocol for approaching a giant with a broadsword? What are you going to say to him and what are you going to do about it if he has, happens to be in a, a mood? What, what are you going to do when you decide, okay, there's a giant with a broadsword and his back up his sidekick is an elf with a chainsaw maybe it's that people actually noticed but they chose to pretend that they didn't notice i wonder do we notice or just pretend not to notice when people are in need i wonder if it's a failure to notice when we forget about our spouse's love languages 
I wonder if we fail to notice when people are asking for our help. And most of the times, people don't overtly ask for our help. It's almost like when John Gottman talks bids for affection. You know, bids for affection, building a, a strong relationship. Relationships aren't built around these deep moments like you see in a melodrama where you see the guy on this side of the field and the lady on the other side of the field, and and he yells, Marsha, and she yells, John, and they run together in slow motion to the flowers. That's, that's not what romance is built on. Romance is built on a series of very tiny, almost innocuous events. Hey, I'm going to get a sandwich. Would you like one? Hey, I've got to run an errand. Would would you like to ride in the car with me? Hey, I'm going to go check the mailbox. You want to walk out there? Hey, would you sit with me on the porch while we drink our morning coffee? And when someone offers you those kind of bids for affection, you can turn toward them, accept the invitation, and go. You can turn away from them, you can decline the invitation, or you can turn against them and you can be hostile because the person invited you. And, and, and maybe sometimes we don't know how to respond to those bids. And sometimes people make bids and instead of bids for affection, they're, they're making bids for, uh, for help. But before they come outright and ask for our help, they may ask us for our time. They may just want to talk to us. They may see if we'll address them. They may see if we'll listen to them. Sometimes they don't ask us for our time as much as they just ask us for our attention. And and, and getting other people's attention sometimes is is overt, and sometimes it's it, it's like those little subtle bids for affection. People are asking for our our attention, and they're measuring they're measuring whether or not we value them we like them they're measuring if they can trust us and then they're measuring whether or not we would be willing to help them or have the ability to help them john maxwell says that if somebody you encounter believes that you like them or you value them that they can trust you and you will help them then you're a person of influence in their life and sometimes we see people in need and we see people wanting our time our attention or our affection And we either fail to notice or we notice and we don't respond. Sometimes the needs in other people's lives are as glaring and as obvious as a portable gorilla with a broadsword. And and I get it. There are times when we're so distracted and we're so busy and we're so overwhelmed with the things that we've got going on that that it's not probably wrong to be self-absorbed although that can't be a permanent state, and and, then sometimes we just don't notice. But I believe other times we notice, and we see the broadsword, and we see the giant, and we see the elf, and we see the chainsaw, and even though we saw it, we, we don't respond to it. We don't address it. We don't mention it. We don't broach the subject. We don't bring it up. And so we're going about our business, and and we're walking down the hallway in the convention center that is our lives, and we see something so glaringly out of place. We see something in the life of a friend, or there's a bid for affection, or a request for attention, or a need of our time, and it is so glaringly out of place that it is as obvious as a giant portable gorilla with a broadsword. 
and we see it and we don't respond to it. And it may, it's not that we didn't notice. It's that we saw it in our response to something that obvious and something that glaringly out of place. Our response is, is careless. Or in truth, it may be that we care less. I once heard that knowing and not doing was the same as not knowing. But I really believe it's knowing and not doing. Not only is it the same as not knowing, it equals not caring. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I'm your host, Lonnie Jones, and the adventure part is basically just our experiences. And some of those experiences are as mundane as growing up, being married, being a young married couple with a kid, or being a middle-aged couple with grandkids. Some of the experiences will be my adventures as an outdoorsman, a rock climber, a fisherman, a hunter, or my experiences as a police chaplain who's been assigned to a SWAT team for over 30 years. Some of that adventure may even boil down to the idea that there's a belief that I'm a chaotic Jedi. (laughs) Either way, we'll take the experiences or the adventures and we'll talk about the facts. The facts will lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. Basically, it will be anecdotal wisdom. One cautionary word about the facts is we will tell you the facts just as they happened, but sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we remember them happening, and sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we've heard other people tell us the way they remember them happening. In any occasion, it's not an attempt to deceive. There'll be a little bit of embellishment, and it's an all good, clean fun and for learning purposes only. Thank you for keeping up with Jones. Jones.